you're listening to The Parent Classroom, a space for quick conversations on how to nurture your child's education. I'm your host, Komal Shah, a former teacher turned consultant who fundamentally believes that every parent has the power to raise their child consciously within the K-12 schooling system. I cannot wait to bring you on this journey. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of The Parent Classroom. This episode is for anyone who either is saying to themselves, math is amazing, or it is the bane of my existence. <laughs> so today I am so privileged to have a guest, Navi Riar, who is a credentialed math educator with 16 years of experience in the classroom. She is the founder of Ready, Set, Learn and writes custom math programs for after school programs and districts. Navi is passionate about making math accessible for all children using a hands-on approach and shares best practices to empower families to help their children with math. Welcome, Navi. It's so exciting to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm glad school is going well for you. <laughs> it is. And I felt this was such a timely, you know, conversation because math teacher to math teacher, I think there's just so much that has to be deconstructed with the subject. Absolutely. We have a lot of work to do if we want our kids to uh, get to thrive in that in that subject. So, but I'm excited yeah. to be here. I know. And actually, fun story for anyone who's listening. Navi and I met on Instagram. I like started following her work and I was like, She's amazing. Who is this person? This is like the best knowledge ever. So it's always nice to, you know, invite guests who are on social media and you link up online and then you get to bring them on. So yeah. it's been an amazing journey and seeing your growth too has been so phenomenal. Thank you. And I, and I hope that, um, this just inspires more people to get out there, show, share what they love and they, you never know who you're going to meet. You never know who yeah. you're going to inspire and motivate. Yeah. Okay. So whenever I have a guest on, I love to ask them a more personal question, but I'm going to do a little twist to it. So usually I ask, what type of student were you growing up? But I'm going to actually ask, what type of math student were you growing up? How was that for you? I really enjoyed math. I One of the reasons I became a math teacher was because I had some amazing instructors. I had some amazing mm. teachers in high school and I'm like, I'm going to do what you're doing and I'm going to come back to my old high school and I'm going to do the same thing. And that's really, that's really what I wanted to do. Um, I was the student um, that went in, got help early in the morning. Um, I did my homework every night. I, I, I wanted to be successful in math. Um, I definitely liked it more than English. I'm like, you can figure this out. There's a process, there's a method. And so that really drew me to math that you could figure it out. Um, but I was that kid that I, I wanted to excel in it. And I, and I truly enjoyed uh, working with my friends, problem solving, and that study group environment. I really like that as well. And math kind of lends itself more to working with others. And I enjoyed that. Oh my gosh. I love talking to someone who just loves math, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because I feel like so many times you hear the opposite of the people who just hate it. So based on what you're saying, I mean, did your peers feel the same or were you also surrounded by those who just despise the subject? 
I was surrounded by a group of hardworking kids in high school. We hung out together. We we were the top teners. And so we definitely created this culture of it was a little competitive, but we were there for each other. We helped each other. And mm-hmm. uh, I carried that that mentality with me through college. And then college, our study groups got to be like 20 kids big. And we were at the mm-hmm. engineering library at Davis working out problems. And it just felt good to be around kids that some of the students needed help. Some of them knew what they were doing. And just to bring everyone together, be like, hey, we can all do this. We can all be successful. I like that feeling too. So being able to do that on a larger scale, I'm like, we all can win in math. It doesn't have to be, I'm better than you. So that's too bad for you. It can be that we can all get this. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I love that. I mean, I feel what you're saying is a lot about like collaboration and, you know, teamwork and process and critical thinking. And, you know, it's so unfortunate because I feel in so many math classrooms, that's not always what's kind of conducive to what you see, um, which is, you know, unfortunate because there's a beauty to it. So I kind of, I wanted to ask you since you've been like a hoorah for math for so long, you know, I mean, why is math important? I feel so many people know that. And I feel so many parents know that. But in your own words, like, why do you think this subject is so critical? And and why do we even have it in school in, in the first place? The, you know, you'll hear math is all around us. And yes, that's true. If you're, you know, building a house, baking something, all of that. But I think math really lends itself to building a mindset that can carry you on, that can carry mm-hmm. over into other aspects of your life. I truly believe that if you can persevere through a challenging math test and you have those skills, you can apply those skills to anything. So it's not just, mm-hmm. okay, I can follow these steps to get to the right answer. But while I'm working on a, a challenging math problem, I can learn perseverance. I can learn how to ask for help. All of these things carry on to other aspects of your life. And so I think, um, there's been this image that we've society has kind of created about math that it's just about getting the right answer or it's competitive or it's boring. We have to change that narrative and say, hey, look, mm-hmm. you just think about math in this way, but if you really work hard at it and if you really think deeply about it, it can be a whole mind shift change for you that's going to empower you in other aspects of your life. I firmly believe that. Wow. I love that. I, you know, what you said kind of reminds me of that. It's like generational. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that, you know, I kind of want to get more into that. Do you feel that people develop that mindset about math because of how they were taught? Or do you think it's just a societal way that we've perceived this subject? I, I'm just interested to see what you think on that. I think there's, a, it's kind of, you can look at it in both ways that if you are If that's kind of what you've taught, math is this thing, you just do it to get the answer and that's what you internalize, that can be really detrimental to your math mindset, right? And if you're someone like who thinks about math and you've seen those messages or you received those messages where like, hey, no, we can apply it to other aspects of our life. You can, it's in the real world. You can problem solve, you can persevere. If you do, if you look at it through that lens, now you're going to mm-hmm. be that that critical thinker that wants to learn things at a deeper level. So it's really what you surround yourself with and the messages that you're internalizing. So I I'm out here sending out my messages to everyone because I have to I have to battle what we're getting through, you know, those movies where 
math is that subject where everyone's sleeping or there's just one kid who knows the answer. So I'm trying to battle all of that. And there's already so many people who are doing an amazing job. Uh, Carol Dweck, Joe Bowler, they're getting their messages out there. But I wanted to be a part of that and just say, hey, we got to change as a society how we view math if we want our kids to do better. Um, so just mm-hmm. trying to spread uh, some of those messages. Oh my gosh, I love that. You know, you mentioned the right answer, which it's really interesting because I feel that so many like older generations, you know, kind of like the baby boomers, they kind of experience this type of math where you learn a lesson, you go home, you do 50 problems. And, you know, hopefully by the time you come back, you've, you know, you've mastered that concept. So I, do you feel, you know, you've been a teacher for 16 years in math. Do you feel that it's because of the right answer? Like what are the other pitfalls you, you have seen in classroom settings that kind of are so detrimental to, to child's learning? Uh, when we, wherever we picked up that a wrong answer is going to, should mark your grade down. Wherever mm-hmm. we got that from. And th- those are practices that I used in my classroom because that's what was expected. But that practice of using that red pen, this is wrong. Oh, you got mm-hmm. seven out of 10 wrong. You now, that in itself, that message, the red pen, I, I don't know what I'm doing versus like, okay, these are, let's circle the ones you struggle with. Let's work through those. Try again. I'm going to retest you. That's where we need to be going. Because once you start telling kids, this is a wrong answer, you failed at this, they are going to shut down. And you have to have a very strong mindset. And some kids do that. Say, oh, I'll try again. But those you have a lot of kids who are very sensitive to that kind of negative feedback. They're going to shut yeah. off. They're done. You can do whatever you want. They've turned off. I'm not good at this. So why am I going to try? So somewhere where we started, you know, that, that grading system of this is right, this is wrong. You can't do this again. Um, but I, I'm slowly seeing practices start to change, and that gives me a lot of hope. But it's going to yeah. take a lot of work to get everyone there. But telling kids mistakes are bad, mistakes are wrong, um, we we have to get away from that message and get back to mistakes. And this is um, what I read in Joe Bowler's book, Limitless. If you work through a mistake and you figure out what you did wrong, now you're really learning. So do you really want kids to get things right because they've memorized a set of steps or they've worked through something, they've internalized it and they figured it out and now it's in their brain. So which way do you want your kids to get the right answer? And so that message, I really hope just resonates with more and more people and that we can spread that and say, hey, stop. You know, if if a problem is wrong, okay, but let's work on working through that versus uh, this is wrong. You don't know what you're doing. Yeah. How, how as a teacher for you, like, how did you evolve in your practice? Right. I mean, you mentioned that you were kind of the ones correcting and saying wrong. And like, you know, I think there might be a parent out there going, well, that's still happening in my kid's classroom. Right. And so like, you know, what, what made you evolve beyond that? Uh, we, st- it, I think part of it started with professional development, learning about Joe Bowler, learning about Dr. Carol Dweck and saying, okay, wait, this is, this is good. We're changing things. Mm-hmm. And then me, um, just when I would work in a small group setting, I'm like, this kid is getting it. Why aren't we giving them more chances? Like, do you really want this to be the end game for this kid? And so just building relationships with kids. And then a lot of kids, they have such a negative mindset when they come into a class. I did not want to be that teacher that just shut them down. I'm like, 
I want you guys to be successful. Let me show you how fun, how easy I can make this. You just need the right tools. And so working with those kids and then just seeing like, hey, this is making a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't, I, and my first few years of teaching, I was horrible. I'm like, oh, this is all wrong. I'm a great teacher. You don't get it. That's your fault. I had that mentality. And so I had to work really through that and like, wait a minute, you a, a class full of kids, if they're not getting it, that's me. That's not them. And so really just learning about mindset shifts and um, professional development. I'm like, no, I can do better. I want my kids to be successful and I need to own up to not being a great teacher and learn how to fix it. Uh, We all make mistakes the first few years in the classroom. But for me, I really wanted to go above and beyond. And when I started on Instagram, I'm like, we, we, I went through this growth process. And if I can share what I know, uh, hopefully that will inspire others to change too. Yeah. And you know, I love what you said. And I don't know if you've experienced this because some of that negative mindset that you mentioned when, you know, kiddos walk in, I feel that it's a lot of it is because of their own parents, you know, and that's a conversation as math teacher. I've had a lot where parents will go, well, I hated math growing up or, oh, I was just terrible or I never understood it. Right. Maybe they were in those types of classrooms. And I I don't know. I'm always as a math teacher going, don't say that to your kid. Like, please don't tell them that you're not good because now they're adopting a mindset that many times isn't even theirs. And they're now just going, well, my mom never got it. So like, why do I need to understand it? And this whole idea of math person is, is just so interesting to me. I, I, did you experience that in your career? I did. A lot of parents, well, I didn't get it. So this is what, but I wish my younger self would have just said it, that's okay. If you didn't, if you struggled with something, you know, it's, it's okay to admit that you struggle with something, but I do wish the conversations were more focused on how can we move forward? You know, Mm. a lot of, well, Johnny's brother gets it. I don't know why Johnny doesn't get it. Those conversations just really like, you know, you don't want to say stop to a parent, but you're like, Johnny's here listening to you put him down to say, hey, Johnny struggles, but I'd love to sit down with you to make a plan because I know he can learn it. That's a very different conversation than Johnny's brother gets it and Johnny does it. I don't know what's wrong. So I think parents have to be more aware of the words that they're saying. And again, if your child is struggling, I'm, I'm not saying like, don't acknowledge the struggle, acknowledge the struggle, but move forward instead of mm. giving them some feedback. Like, yeah, I don't know. They, they were same parents. There's something wrong. And it's just, it's like, don't say that about your kid. That that's really hurtful. And so when kids start internalizing those messages, they don't really want to learn math because they hear we've kind of given up. We don't know what to do. What they need to hear is, Hey, let's come up with a plan. I have a plan that's going to work. I have a plan that involves working on mindset, making it hands-on, give them tools versus putting them down. Um, Because once they internalize, oh, they don't think I can get it, why their brain is going to shut off to learning math, right? And so we got to do everything we can to say, hey, no, you got this. We're going to figure out something. Yeah. And okay, so when you mention hands-on activities, you know, for someone who maybe hasn't been in a classroom setting, like, what do you mean by that? And like, what are some of the success stories you have seen with kiddos who are doing math hands-on? One of the biggest things that I wanted to battle was engagement. And Mm -hmm. you can see when, and as a teacher, I'm giving my notes for quadratics and you're just seeing some kids are writing down, some are comprehending, some are just, oh, I'm just writing it because I have to. I'm like, we got to make math more engaging. And for me, uh, for a lot of kids, 
Math is something so abstract. All they see are pages of notes. A lot of my math classes and call <laughs> boards filled with math notes. But in order for it to stick, you need it to be engaging. And the best way for me, I think, uh, is making it hands-on and letting kids explore the concepts. A lot of kids will tell you three plus four and four plus three is seven, but most of them mm. can't explain why. You switch the numbers. Okay, well, why does that still work? I don't know. You just switch the numbers, you still get the answer. And so mm-hmm. for me, um, especially during the pandemic, when families in the neighborhood, everyone knew I was a math teacher. Navi, our kids are struggling. What can we do? I'm like, we have to go back to um, not just teaching math, but letting kids understand why math works the way it does versus just you have three fingers and four fingers. Now it's seven. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But If you, uh, this is an analogy I share with a lot of kids. Do you want to be able to drive the car or do you want to be able to drive the car and fix it if it's broken? Which one is going to make you better? And they're like, well, we want to fix the car. I'm like, yeah, if you're, if you drive the car and it's broken and that's all, you know, you just know how to drive the car. You're at, you're out of luck if your car breaks down, but if you can drive the car breaks down, you can fix it and get back and keep going you are going to be so much stronger than the person who just knows how to drive the car. And so I try to use analogies like that to work on mindset because kids need to know, like, why does this matter? I'm like, do you want to be able to problem solve or just do the work? Because if you can just follow a set of steps, anyone can. Chat GBT, they just, it just follows a set of steps. Or do you want to be able to be the person who's like, no, I can figure out why this is working and what we need to do to fix it. That's going to make you a critical thinker versus someone who can just, anyone can follow a set of steps and just do it. But what we need to raise is a generation of critical thinkers because look at all the messages that we're getting on. So kids are more on social media. Kids are watching their YouTube and they're getting all this information. And we want to teach kids, do you want to just take that information as face value? Or do you want to apply a filter? Let me think about this. Should I just believe this because it was on the internet? Or do I want to be able to think critically about what I see and make my own conclusion? So that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> I mean, hey, uh, welcome to the change maker space, Navi. It's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love what you're doing. Yeah, thank you. And you know, I think like you just mentioned so many beautiful things. And I w- recently went to a conference and it made me think of that, of just like how math has become so isolated. And in a way, sometimes it feels so purposeful where it's just become about your intellect and your smartness, you know, and it, it's so fascinating to me because math is so beautiful. Like I'm on the yeah. same page, you know, I'm not sitting on the same island as you where I'm like, math is amazing and it's actually very accessible and every kiddo can do it. But even from a young age, I don't, you know, I remember like there's shame around counting on your fingers. Yes. Yes. And like, in most cultures, actually, you know, counting on your fingers is kind of part of the culture right? as well. This, my parents, this <laughs> is how they count. And I think I'm like, hey, are you struggling with your threes times tables? Look at you. They're like, oh my gosh. I'm like, my parents have been doing this. And when I see a kid using their fingers, I'm like, keep doing it. Don't shame. As soon as you start shaming someone, they're going to shut down. So... Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and that's what I I show my, you know, when I'm in the classroom, I model that for my kids where I'll like show on the fingers, like what I'm counting and how I'm thinking or make mistakes on purpose. Right. That conversation where they're always like, well, you're the math teacher, you know, all the right answers. I'm like, actually, I definitely don't. (laughs) So it's definitely there. Okay. So 
you know, you've, you've kind of talked about the pitfalls in the classroom. I, I'm wondering for a parent, like when they come to you, they're like, my kiddo needs help. Like, what is some advice you want to give to a parent who, you know, is just wondering what support looks like from them? And, you know, we talk about mindset, of course, and moving forward and, you know, failing forward. Are there other steps you would advise a parent at that moment? I would definitely share not the not a ton of research and just let parents know brains are designed to learn and grow. That's that's mm-hmm. all the research that we saw. But let parents know that. So a lot of parents think, well, there's something wrong with my kid. They don't have the math gene. No, brains are designed to do this. We just need to know or figure out what tools work for your child. And for me, I often find like for hands up, like multiplication. So don't sit there trying to memorize the tables. Let's use some Play-Doh. Let's use some counting beads on a pipe cleaner. Let's, let's use a visual model. So I always try to share with them that your child can learn this. So take a deep breath. And let's, let's, and even asking a child, Hey, how do you like to learn? You know, oftentimes we don't ask that of kids. We're like, well, there's 30 of you and this is how we're going to do it because it's the easiest way, right? We're just tossing out information to them. But in my classroom, I loved doing evaluations at the end of semesters. Like, Hey guys, what feedback to, how can I be better? Just letting kids know, like, let me, let me know how you like to learn because you might get some feedback from them or like, oh, I never thought about that. I should be doing small group instruction or I should be doing this. And so getting that feedback from a child, how do you like to learn, can be really uh, important in helping um, figure out what's best for them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I hear this a lot as someone who's also math tutored, like, you know, parents want to support and also there's the reality of like pressure and academic pressure and things moving so fast in schooling systems with state assessments. And I don't know, I just hear a lot of times that parents have a lot of learned helplessness in terms of like, how do we navigate supporting the learning? And then also if my kiddo is like grade level behind, like what am I supposed to do? Because yes, I can do hands-on learning and now they're they're still struggling because there's new content being taught. You know, like how, what, what does the parent do in that moment? <laughs> Oh, that's a tricky one. I think this is where summer comes in. And I know there are so many different schools of thought over what kids should just play all summer, give them homework. If your child is struggling, um, I definitely think have used the summertime um, to fill in those gaps or they're Mm going to get farther and farther behind until they get to that point where it's like, what am I doing? I, I hate this. So especially with elementary school, you have that time. At the high school level, when you're working on polynomials, quadratics, all these things, and they're behind a grade level, they're going to feel it so much more. But don't let Mm. it get to that point. Be proactive. Reach out and ask for support. Um, I don't, I've never met a teacher who, if you, if you, if you're a parent and you reach out and they're like, well, I can't help you. Teachers always give, these are the resources I have. Here are some websites. Here are the peer tutors hours. Here are my office hours. So I've never met a teacher who didn't share resources when being asked, but I, I definitely would ask a parent, please figure out, and it doesn't have to be an hour of math every day over the summer. I think that's another huge misconception. People think, well, we're going to be at the kitchen table five days a week. No. If you spend 10 minutes, like three times a week, and you're you're giving them the hands-on experience, the visual experience, and they're really learning the concepts, and you're filling in those gaps, that's all you need. And so just thinking about the time, letting parents know mm. it's not going to take that much time. 
if you are proactive and you, you know, you take some time out, carve out some time um, after work or on a Sunday or something, put in the time now and you will see the benefits uh, later on. Amazing. Um, If in your own words, you know, how do you feel as a society, how do we make math from being kind of taught unconsciously to consciously. And I know you mentioned a lot about growth mindset, but like, what is your kind of wisdom or two cents on that? Oh my gosh. So this is a funny story. My kids wanted McDonald's one day and I'm like, all right, let's get it. And I saw a Pete the Cat book and it was math. And I was like, really happy. I'm like, okay, I think the seed has been planted. I Mm. think that, you know, I'm not saying this problem is going to be solved in the next five years. But I think the words are starting to resonate with some people. Um, I know, uh, I think the standards were looked at over the past couple of years and something, you know, some, you know, they're, they're revamping them. Things are slowly starting, starting to happen. And that gives me hope. I'm, mm. oh, I'm a very hopeful person. I'm not saying that we're doomed. That is not the approach I will ever believe in. But we're, I think we're seeing some things, um, TV shows, is it uh, number blocks, number talks on Netflix? So we're seeing things come up in the works where the message I think we're getting is like, hey, families, we need to be paying attention to this. Do we have a lot of work to do? Absolutely. Are we slowly stepping in the right direction? Absolutely. And that hope, it just, I'm like, okay. And I want to be part of this conversation. So I'm happy to reach out to districts and tell them what I have to offer. Um, but we'll get there slowly, but we just have to keep, you have to keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing your podcast, get it out there. I'm going to keep sharing activities and sending messages. And the more people that we get in, you know, that, that trickle down effect is going to happen. And I I think we're going to get there, but it's just going to take time. Yes. You're just so passionate about it. (laughs) And it just makes me so excited because, you know, I'm in the classroom and I'm teaching math and, you know, this stuff is very important to me. And, you know, same to say that as any parent who's out there, like, you know, have those conversations with teachers as well. If you see something that is being taught unconsciously, right? Are they teaching growth mindset? Are they, you know, you at home, watch your language, but also are they given opportunities to provide multiple solutions and multiple processes? And are they having collaboration in math classes? And, you know, if they're not, it needs to be a conversation because ultimately, at least I've seen as a sixth and seventh grade math teacher, I mean, this stuff trickles down for years Mm -hmm. and years and years. Years, yeah. unless someone steps in and say, Hey, this is not going to work. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, okay. um, my last question for you is, well, I think I have two, but one of my questions has to be, what would you say to someone who says, I'm not a math person? <laughs> I, I would, I think first ask, why do you think that I'd want to, I, I get some feedback from them. Um, usually, you know, my, it would be my parents used to yell at me at the kitchen table to do math. My teacher embarrassed me. Um, I, you know, you, I, I definitely would want to delve into that a little bit more to troubleshoot. So if they say it, just trying to figure out why, and then just share with them whether it's research, um, just, you know, just let them, letting them know that you, it's your experiences. And then Joe Bowler, she introduced that idea of math anxiety, like, Hey, just so you know, if you want to say that you're not a math person, that's a statement that you made. But just wanted to share with you that there's nothing wrong with your brain. You, Someone probably didn't give you the right tools and that mm-hmm. please don't be shamed by that. You just didn't have the support you needed. But 
everyone can really learn math if they're supported in the right way. So doing a little bit of unpacking first and sharing with them like, hey, if you ever want that to change, there are tools to help you because there's a, sometimes I'll get a message from a parent. You just taught me something. I just learned why two times three is six, like why it's actually six. They're like, I knew from memorizing it, but now you broke it down in a way that I could understand it. And like a light bulb went off. And so um, just letting, pe- you know, people, people just, you know, you know, having the resources that they need to support them, it can make a huge difference. Oh, I love that. Uh, the aha moments in adulthood too. Yeah. Right? yeah. They hit so differently. <laughs> I know. It's a very exciting, exciting thing to share. And even with me, when I, for me, just being on this journey of leaving the classroom and now becoming an entrepreneur and growing this platform to share messages, so many aha moments. And it, and it really does feel amazing. Oh, I love that. Well, Navi, it's been so amazing having you. Do you have any final thoughts or anything that you want to share at this time? I do. Just um, it's, And this one goes out to the moms. Um, it's, I know a lot of the times moms are sometimes the only person in that educational process and they're sitting down working with their kid and they're beating themselves up because they don't understand something. Um, And just if you sit down with your child and you say, hey, I don't know how to do this, but I'm going to take the time to figure it out. Let's look at some resources. What did you learn in class? And you work it out together. What they're learning from you, how you're modeling your thought process, how you're looking for the resources, that kind of learning well, mm-hmm. you can't replicate that in a classroom. So don't be afraid to try to do some math with your child. Reach out for the tools. But when your kid sees that, you are now modeling perseverance, growth mindset, all of those things. And they're going to be able to internalize that. Hey, I didn't know it, but my mom sat here with me and tried to figure it out. And we did. I think I yeah. can do it too. And so just really wanting to empower moms that, hey, you guys got this. I, I'm here. You Reach out to me, send me a DM. But if your child sees that kind of passion and perseverance from you, they're going to pick up on it. Yep. It's all about that modeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, beautiful. You mentioned DMs. Where can people find you? It's simple at Math Teacher Mom blog. Um, they, they're welcome to reach out at any time. I do my best um, when people ask me questions and make a little video, send it to them. Uh, or I direct them to story highlights. Um, Just try to give them as many resources as I can. Amazing. Well, I am so inspired by you, my friend. Thank you. (laughs) Um, And your message. And it's a really, really important one. And I hope that this conversation kind of lights another bulb for people as they, you know, maybe even reminisce on when the math, math anxiety started, right? And just doing a little bit of unpacking around that because you know, our kiddos are a future generation and they should be leaving math classrooms being like, this subject is awesome. Right, right. Thank you so much for having me and giving me a platform to share my messages. So I look forward to seeing everything when it comes out. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Navi. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for showing up as a parent but not only just for yourself, but for your child as you consciously make shifts for their schooling. To connect with me, follow at The Parent Classroom on Instagram and join my email newsletter to stay tuned for more resources for you and your child. If you are interested in consciousness and education, you can find my book, Raise Your Hand, A Call for Consciousness and Education, now on Amazon.
Till next time, bye.